Hello, thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Anna Loder from readabook.com.au. I'm a lifelong reader and book lover and a long-time book club member. 15 years, I can't believe it. I've been a bookseller for 13 and now I'm a reviewer and blogger. This is a weekly podcast celebrating that love of books and reading. I'm so excited to be in your ears today. Before we get started, can I quickly pay my respects to the Darawal people of the Uyora Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which I work, play, read and live on. Along with the traditional owners of the lands throughout Australia, I pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Let's get started. I'm speaking with Amanda Hampson in about two seconds time. So I'm just popping in to say woohoo and get excited because I think it's going to be a great chat. I love her books. I loved 60 Summers. I loved Lovebirds. I really, really, really loved The Tea Ladies. I think this is just going to be a fantastic conversation. So I'm so glad that you're joining. I can't wait to get started. Hello, Amanda. Hello. How are you? How are you? Thank you so much Good. for this. this person, guys. I love the tea ladies. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for chatting with me. I really appreciate it. No problem at all. Thank this you. This has got to be my most favourite book of yours ever now. It feels like they just, I know it's because I'm reading them and then they're fresh in my mind, but I didn't think anything was going to overcome lovebirds. I loved that book. And now... <laughs> Oh, good. The tea ladies. Yeah, well, I wanted to do something a little bit different. I think part of my career trajectory or lack of it is because I do something kind of different every time. If you look at authors who have got a solid reader base, I'm not saying they write the same book every time, but they write within the same genre. Yes. Well, I'm slipping and sliding into different genres all the time. And I don't know, I can't help it. But <laughs> I then just lack of mental discipline. And I'm, no, it speaks I know to what the, you were saying before. You get bored. You must get bored easily because they are all so different from one another. Yes. Well, I think I hear a lot of people say, oh, I get so many ideas. I don't know which to act on. And I don't have that problem. I have the opposite. I get one idea. I can picture it perfectly. And then I start. And I know that idea will work for me. So I had the idea that I'd like to write a murder mystery and I'd like to try writing a series and so I guess I was on the lookout you know how your radar is on yes and suddenly all these things are coming to you and I saw this Facebook page Australia remember when with the tea lady and all the comments oh we loved Hilda we loved Mavis we love all these people and then somebody saying the tea lady knew where the bodies were buried I could picture the book because of my age I was born in 1954 I know how very very strated workplaces were socially back in the day so I'm only ever going to be looking at the period when tea ladies were in their heyday so that would be 40s 50s 60s Mm -hmm. so then it was just another leap I suppose it is a little bit like a jigsaw puzzle although I'm going to tell you that I'm hopeless at jigsaw puzzles oh Um, bless I wondered that with the Taj Mahal (laughs) yeah not at all no no I actually bought a a jigsaw puzzle to try it while I was writing the book I couldn't do it I ended up giving it away Um, me too So I then thought, well, what's an era that I know very well that I would understand? So because I think that adds another level of nuance to it. So you can research the 60s, but you would just be skimming the surface. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas, you know, they were all my teen years were all through the late 60s. And I loved the fashion. I adored Mary Quant and Twiggy and Jean Shrimpton and the music, everything. I thought that's a period I could do with 
being immersed in. Okay, so now we've got the 60s. Well, why not the fashion industry? Then I start to research the fashion industry. And of course, garments were all made in Australia at that time because there were tariffs until sometime in the 70s. So Surrey Hills seemed the perfect spot. And Surrey Hills is partly uh, a crime area, as I discovered when I did the crime tour with Elliot, uh, Murders Most Foul. That the, it's the laneways of these places that turn them into a crime area because there is so much opportunity for unseen transactions, let's say. Those Dark corners. They, they, yeah. yeah, they could be deadly transactions. <laughs> and um, so then, you know, you are just putting the pieces together. But I just love being in this period and, you know, remembering things, then researching those things and expanding on those and and creating these characters. Well, I am so excited that you're hinting that it'll be a series because I can absolutely see these ladies is taking on extra extra novels. Oh, yes, yes. No, yeah. it's not just a hint. I've already handed the manuscript for the second Oh, wonderful. Excellent. No, don't muck around. No mucking around. No mucking around at all. Oh, no, that's, that's wonderful right. to hear. I so love this one these is, girls. The Tea Ladies is um, 1965 and the next one is 1966. Oh, excellent. Yeah, so we'll move Great. on and we'll, we'll again incorporate some historic elements. And so they'll stay in the same area? They'll be in yes, Surrey Hills? Yes, they'll be in the same area, but there's going to be a lot happening around them. Oh, excellent. Oh, how yes. exciting. Mm. Right. Oh, so when's that one? No, That'll okay. come out for Mother's Day next year. Mother's Day excellent. next year. Excellent. Wow, 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 wow. Oh, I was thinking actually that this would make a wonderful Mother's Day gift. My mum was born in 55, um, so she's familiar with this time period as well, although mm-hmm. she was a hippie, so not <laughs> not so much Mary Quant, more hippie-ish. But <laughs> All right, okay. But um, <laughs> Back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just such a fabulous read. And the tea ladies, I loved the way that you created the friendship between them. These are all people who have each other's backs and do each other's shifts if they have to and they slip in and slip out of each other's lives. It's, they were really good mates, weren't they? Well, I think that for me, I've had friends for 40 and 50 years now and they are unbreakable relationship. I just went to Hobart and saw a couple of friends that I knew. I used to work with Julianne back in 1975. You know each other. And so when the, these four tea ladies, um, Hazel, Betty, Irene and Merle, are together, you know, it, there's a an understanding between them that it is, you know, an unbreakable relationship and they can have a go at each other and they just get over it in the next yep. 60 seconds mm-hmm. and move on. But um, I want to make them all very, very different. So I think I have managed to get it so that if somebody speaks, you're pretty sure you know who it is. Absolutely, yes. Attribution They're around. all such different characters, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, I'm so excited about the, a series coming up. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm all distracted on that. I want more. But it was just fabulous. I loved learning more. I had forgotten. So when we were growing up, our next-door neighbours had a sweatshop factory in their backyard that people would come. Uh, I think they were 
Vietnamese, but that manufacturing was around much earlier. This was in the 80s. But those backyard manufacturers and coming in and going to department stores and getting your orders in, that that really happened in Australia. I can't picture that anymore. That's right. And so those people that worked in that backyard, they would have been, you know, subcontracting to some other factory, probably for some part of it. So even in the 60s, I have managed to speak to some people who did that kind of piecework for a factory. So one woman I spoke to was saying that she, um, her family used to make the little belts that were in the same fabric as the dress when we had the dresses that had sort of a bodice and a full oh, skirt. I love those dresses, yes. So she would be in the car uh, with her brothers and sisters and her father would drive around these various factories and he'd come out with these long strips of fabric. And uh, so just the fabric for the belt, nothing else. And then they had a couple of sewing machines on their kitchen table. They're Hungarian. And um, the whole family would be put into service making these little belts and he'd deliver them all back and pick up the next lot of fabric. So there was there was evidently a lot of, around Surrey Hills, lots of different manufacturers who did buttonholes or they might sew on the buttons or they might put in the zips or they might have some, they could have overlockers mm. so that a factory might be just doing the main sewing and um, send it out, have all these stuff done, bring it back, press it, and then it would go out to the, the department stores. Oh, it's fascinating. But this was even earlier. So people weren't working from home. They were all coming into the manufacturing factory and the tea ladies would be in charge of servicing all of them for their morning and afternoon teas. Is that that's right? Yes, that's right. So most back in the time I'm writing about, most big companies would have had a tea lady. In fact, there was somebody at an event the other night who worked for a big mechanical workshop and they had a tea lady. So government departments, Dot Strong is one of the most famous tea ladies. She worked for the ABC for 21 years and they named the Dot Strong Terrace after her when she retired in 1991. So, yes, they would um, make tea, take it around in the trolley. They knew how everybody took their tea. Um, you'd get a biscuit, maybe two, um, and they'd do that morning and afternoon. Some tea ladies would also get sandwiches for people at lunch or even sell cigarettes. Um, not so fashionable now, but they probably saw it as a service at the time. Yeah, so they did have a really special place in people's hearts because they weren't part of the office politics but I could immediately see the potential that they would know everything that was going on in the building and they would have a sort of diplomatic immunity to have the ear of the managing director but also be on very good terms with what's happening in the factory and know all the, the women that work down there. Yeah, it's so, so true, isn't it? If anybody was yeah. going to know where the bodies were buried. <laughs> buried, that's right, yeah. And so then I just sort of thought, okay, so you had that sort of scenario happening then when companies all worked in the same building and what if there were a few buildings, a few tea ladies, and then I absolutely felt the empowerment of the tea ladies when the building next door burns down. We know there was a woman maybe trapped in there the day before. There's a dead body found in the office and Hazel says, now, who's the tea lady down at the fire station? Someone says, well, that's Effie Finch. Let's get her down here, see what she has to say. So I love the idea that these tea ladies who have this kind of unique qualification of being overlooked and underestimated. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like most older women, that hasn't changed. And um, that they actually have this network and this power to to get a lot of information that perhaps the police don't have access to. 
So it's all my books are about empowerment women in some Yes, they most certainly are. Yes. Um, and the tea ladies, it's threaded right through it, you know, you see. Yes. There's a wonderful line in the next book that I've been hinting at where towards the end of the book the tea ladies are gathering, they have to go out and do this really quite dramatic rescue and there's one man in the room, they're in Hazel's kitchen, mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. gets up to leave with them and Hazel says, no, you stay here. This could be dangerous. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> so I'm just enjoying reversing the roles. How many films have we seen? I'm going to say millions where women are forced to stay behind when everything's get interesting. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's a lot of fun kind of flipping that around. Oh, it was so much fun to read. I just loved these ladies. I absolutely loved them. <laughs> well, in the new one, Erin um, Turnbuckle gets her own chapters. Um, oh, good. So you'll see her her decadent lifestyle at the lowest level. <laughs> Ooh, excellent. Yeah, so you should fun. have a great yeah. story to tell. Oh, I'm thrilled. I'm absolutely thrilled. So it did give me the murder club vibes in that it's an, a group of older people who are used to being overlooked who have just slipped in. But I just love the whole tea ladies. I know as a barista, people get so comfortable and so chatty when you're making them their coffees that I know <laughs> that right. you know a lot more. And there was one scene um, that I'm thinking of that they know that somebody's pregnant beforehand mm. because she's off the coffee. And yeah, that happened to yeah, me. Well, I think somebody might have told me that, that her mother was a tea lady and she said, oh, they used to know when someone was pregnant because actually when you're pregnant, often tea is just got the most repulsive smell because you become very sensitive to smells. So somebody's suddenly not wanting their tea and wanting a dry biscuit to nibble on. It's a dead giveaway. <laughs> yeah. So much fun. Oh, I just loved these ladies so much, Amanda. Thank you so much. I also particularly loved the fact that she had had the horrible breakup. Um, and so I assume now with the series that she'll be going solo. Oh, no, there's a new love interest on the scene, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, Yes, will she, won't she? That's the question. Okay, well, I just loved seeing that she didn't need a man. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so, I, you know, right from the start, it was probably an ambitious undertaking for my first murder mystery to have the three plot lines, which is really Hazel in that very happy marriage, so she believed, but then discovering to her horror that Bob has completely different life. Mm. The whole business side of what's happening at Empire Fashion Wear, that yeah. was kind of really interesting to research. And weirdly, I so I set it, this is not weirdly, but I set it at the last part of 1965 because that's when Jean Shrimpton wore the famous dress to the Melbourne yes. Cup. Yeah. And weirdly, I imagined what that might have done to the industry. And then and I wrote it, and then the more I read and the more I researched, it was exactly as I'd written it, oh, that wow. it was kind of catastrophic for the industry because it's very different from what we see in a fashion parade. It was just a young woman wearing an incredibly simple dress to uh, an affair where you overdressed by tradition, yes. hat, gloves, yep. stockings, yep. bag, everything, and women just went, okay, the gates are open, we're out, yep. that's what we want. Let's do it. Yeah, exactly. So millinery must have just fallen off the cliff. Yes. I mean, we still even used to wear white gloves back then, you know, little up to your wrist, little white gloves. Uh, there was a lot of real formal wear and this obsession with your handbag and shoes matching and all this kind of stuff. Suddenly it all went out the window. But so that thought, picture okay. is incredible though, isn't it? Like she looks yes. so fresh, so free. The <sighs> ladies behind her look stuffy, boring. <laughs> 
Absolutely. And so I think, okay, to flip that around, I'm always interested in putting in business situations because I have been in business. So I like yes. the idea of being able to flip the whole building around. Suddenly the women are starting to take control, much to the horror of the men upstairs. And uh, and of course, you know, it's nice to interweave lots of casual misogyny, the sort of things that men used to say back then. Oh, like my don't goodness. come and say, oh, well, since I'm the only male here, I suppose I'm in charge of this meeting. And um, I think it's one of the Rosenbaum sisters says, well, I think Hazel might have organised this meeting, so perhaps she should be in charge. <laughs> so, yes, and then, you know, the the third plot, which is the arson and the murder plot, you know, they're all really quite strong. And that's what really, you know, unravelled my head in terms of trying to incorporate them to such a degree that you're not forgetting what's gone on. So short chapters... I get a bit frustrated when I'm reading a book and I really like this and then we flip over to the past and we've got, you know, 10,000 word chapters and then we get back to that. I'm like, oh, okay, completely forgotten this was in this book. Do you know what I mean? Because if I was thinking this while I was reading your novel. Yeah. yeah, I read for 30, 40 minutes every night. Yeah. So it might take two weeks. So if there's really, really long chapters, it feels like you're reading two different books. So I wanted this to be one that you could just plow into, be completely immersed and um, constantly know what's going on. Not constantly know what's, what's going what's on. What's happening to this person. And, and that can be just a little transition conversation or a little catch up or something like that. Yeah. And I wanted it to gallop along like no, oh you my know, goodness, we're not going to have any it? lulls in it. Yeah. Such an easy book to get swept up in and to want to plow through because there is so much going on. You're so right. There's an awful lot happening. But at no one point do you ever get confused and have to go back and think, hang on, no, no, you know exactly where you are. And I thought that that was very, very well done. Good on you. Did you guess, yeah. did you guess who the villain was? No, no, I thought, no, too obvious. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> oh, so dumb. Are you a person who likes to try and guess who the villain is? Or, yes, or the okay? more mysteries that I read, yes, the better I think I'd like to become at picking the, the villain. But no, I was so far off. Oh, but I'm going think- to have to work harder. No, that was wonderful. Oh, I'm just, I'm so excited to see the return of these ladies. So have you got a contract for a whole series? Are you going to do a whole lot? I think. Oh, look, I'm I'm the reluctant contract taker. I've got a contract for this next one. As it happens, it's gone completely gangbusters. I'm not surprised at all. went into a reprint after just over a week. Wow. Uh, That's never happened before. And it's funny because you're attached to the publishing industry, you know that that is just standout. Um, But, you know, I say to my friends, vast majority of whom are not in the the writing business, oh, it's gone to reprint. They go, cool. (laughs) Um, Because why wouldn't it? Well, that's it means great. Nothing. <laughs> People right. just don't understand, do they? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's it's all wonderful. these little things. You know, if you said it's number one, they go, oh, fantastic. But they wouldn't necessarily, well, why wouldn't you have a number one? You've been doing it for 20 years, you know, so. <laughs> Oh, I I love these ladies. I can't wait to read more of them. And I'm not surprised at all that it's gone into reprint because it's one that you tell everybody that they'll read because disenfranchised, like a lot of waitresses, we love it. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. And I think it's been interesting giving my talks because, you know, there's a lot of older women come to these talks. And I've been saying, you know, there's these perceptions of older women. And, you know, I see older women who are fantastically dressed. They're really out there. They they look fabulous. We are sort of victims of what are called doily design. The minute you kind of say, oh, this is a book about older women or this is something older women or uh, ab- advertisement for something. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. let's get some flowers, some, some panicky pink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this perception that... You know, you hear people describing a scene and they say, oh, I went there and this, and then some old lady turned up. And you go, well, why are we referred to as some old lady? Like we're sort of this homogenous group of old lady. We're little old ladies. We're some old lady. No other generation or sex has to, yep. has to deal with this dismissive term. Mm. And so I really wanted to depict how incredibly competent and capable Mm -hmm. and smart these women are, even though they're not highly educated. That makes no difference at all. No difference at all. So, yeah, everyday heroes. Absolutely. Just such a joy to be around. Yeah, they were great to be hanging out with. Yes, I wanted to feel as though people were sitting in with are you sitting in the group and you're hearing what Oh yeah, you're out the back in the lanes on (laughs) on a milk crate (laughs) with a cushion on top. Just wonderful. So clever, so good. Such a good way to see the world. Oh, it was just fantastic. Thank you. I loved every page of it, every character, every interaction. Like there was a fair bit going on, but no, it was just a busy, great, full novel. <laughs> Bob is horrible. Well, he starts off being nice, but, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I think I was had my heart broken a little bit by him. Like I guess divorce just wasn't done then, and so you'd rather. No, yeah. Invent a whole yeah, other right. life, which would have been easier, much easier to do then as compared to now. I wonder how often it happened. Well, I think that uh, a lot of things was easier to do then because information came by letter, telegram mm-hmm. or telephone, and there was no central database. So people were able to easily disappear, adopt a new name. There was none of the security we have now. It just wasn't that difficult to, to become another person. Mm. And um, so, but that was what was interesting for me as well, because everything uh, that happens in this as a whodunit happens in a in a more mechanical way. You know, people have to go places and see things and report. And I don't think I could write this, but, you know, set in this period because everything is changing day to day. And, you know, the technology is so, so, so complex. It's a completely different field. But I think that's the other thing that it does actually immerse you because you are going back into this particular period and you're remembering, oh, yes, there was that, you know, there was the telephone was on the wall and um, it had the long curly cord. Yeah. If you needed to, you could still be talking and you could stretch it down to some stretch other right down <laughs> part of the, the house. <laughs> yeah. Oh, bless, yeah. and take it right out into the hall. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And um, and making a phone call was, I mean, nobody calls anybody now, but uh, back then, you know, it was a moment that you did. It was like visiting someone. You made a phone call and it was something quite serious. So in a way that slows all the action down and there's plenty of time in between for people to discuss things and sort things out and decide what the next move will be. 
But I think the diversity in the characters, because Hazel is so stable and so sensible, Betty is sort of so incredibly excitable and adoring of Hazel yeah. and also always wanting to keep her lists and getting them mm-hmm. mixed up with her shopping lists. And, and then Irene is so pragmatic kind of and criminally minded <laughs> yeah. um, and able to break in anywhere and come up, you know, find all sorts of criminal types to contact. And then Merle kind of sits up there on her high horse, let's say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, looking down on their activities. It just just happened that they then had, I just had a really good group. And I noticed that in the second one, I could just put them together and things started happening. You know, Irene starts winding Merle up straight away. uh, which she would do Betty yeah teasing Betty and Betty starts being indignant and Hazel calms it all down and yeah so they really you know step into their personalities once they're together uh the way that colleagues do and I think it's such a great vehicle for like these are girls who are also different in the way that colleagues are and so it's such a fun friendship yes it is it is like being work colleagues you're sort of get this vibe going between you where you you see the well I suppose you see a lot more of people than even their friends would see of them yes and you see their weaknesses and strengths and um you know you get to quietly pick on them and you know there's there's all those different elements that colleagues have uh but then we kind of give them a project as well and you know they have a project that they have to work on which is something they wouldn't have ever had to do before so I'm a firm believer that you have to have this uh conflict that every character needs to want something in every scene in every conversation everybody has to want something and I don't consciously think what that something might be but it's kind of hardwired into my brain now that it has to be there yeah uh, as soon as I open a book and people are saying, oh, hi, Anna, I haven't seen you for ages. And I said, no, we should get together more often. I'm, I'm bored. Why are we saying <laughs> this? Why, we don't need to hear that. That's not important. It's not interesting. If I say, well, I never see you anymore. Oh, okay. That was a, why did she say it in that way? That was a little bit hostile. Now we've got some story happening. You know, now we've got something happening between these characters rather than them just, you know, you can say they greeted each other, full stop. Now let's hear, because you're kind of dropping into this conversation at the interesting parts. Yes. You don't yes. need to be yeah, there. Yeah, we don't need the, the overview. Parts. Yep. Yeah, we have to hear, we hear enough boring conversation as it is. <laughs> Especially at my age, when people like to get together and talk about their aches and pains. Oh, their ailments. Subject. Yeah, that's right. I'm like, okay, there's enough of that. <laughs> oh, well, I just love these tea ladies. I'm so excited that there's more to come. I just love these girls so much. I thought it was just a wonderful, wonderful novel. Yeah. Oh, Each good. one of Thank yours you. I seem to love more and more and more and more. Yeah, couldn't be a bigger fan. Love your work. <laughs> Thanks so much, Anna. Oh, well, thank you very much for chatting with me. I can't believe I got to. Thank you very much. Congratulations on the reprint. That's wonderful. Okay, thank you. Okay, so that's it for this conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. Please leave a review wherever you can, but especially where you found my Readable podcast. If you'd like more connection, please head on over to thereadable.com.au. There's plenty of book reviews and recommendations there, and that's also where you'll find my blog. And I would love, love, love to welcome you into our community. There's a membership page on readable.com.au. There are three levels. The first is free, and I'm so hoping that you would like to help me build my online community where we can 
enjoy reading more together. Thank you.